today on CityCast Pittsburgh, there are parts of Homewood and the Hill District that look like people haven't lived there in decades, like entire blocks of vacant lots and abandoned homes that should be available to buy through the Pittsburgh Land Bank, but for a lot of reasons right now, it's nearly impossible. Today I'm with Ariam Ford from Grounded Pittsburgh. She's going to school us about what it would take to make the land bank functional and give a sense of community back to these historically Black neighborhoods. It's Tuesday, March 8th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Describe what Grounded Pittsburgh does. Yeah, of course. Grounded was founded out of a research project on our founder, Andrew Busher, looking at how can we use all of the vacant lots that Pittsburgh has, over 30,000 of them, how can we have a productive use of them rather than just having them sit vacant, becoming dumping sites and all of that? Like, a quarter of our city is vacant lots. And so that's a lot of empty space. Wow. So... And that's because the city was built for 1 million people at its height, Carnegie, Hillman, all of the Heinz, all of the big names. But after, you know, the 70s, deindustrialization, like many other um, Rust Belt cities, we lost population and we lost two thirds of our population. So 300,000 people just about live here now. And what happens when 600,000 people leave? There's a lot of space (laughs) and a lot of houses that weren't lived in and kept up. And so um, when those homes became demolished uh, into their foundations, you got vacant lots. And so Grounded is now trying to support communities in deciding the highest and best use of those vacant lots in the short term the medium term and the long term. But it's not just like a free space. You can't just, you know, take over the land or claim it. So Mm -hmm. who takes ownership of those properties once they are abandoned? Yeah. So um, the city of Pittsburgh actually owns a plurality, about just over a third of all of the vacant lots. And they came into ownership of those because those abandoned homes are a liability for the city. The city has a responsibility for the health and safety and welfare of all of the residents. And houses falling down into the streets of the city is not, is, does not. Yes, yeah, not good for anyone. Will not do. Um, so yeah. in order to demolish those houses, you know, there are legal processes. Um, one of the most powerful positions in this country isn't necessarily the president of the United States. It's being a landowner because you can decide what happens there in certain states someone's running away from your house after they stole stuff, you can still shoot them. Like yeah. there's this power endued in, in, in um, land ownership that whether or not it's activated or latent, it's always there. And so um, in order to go on someone's land and do something because it's abandoned, um, there has to be a legal process in the city for the city to take ownership of it in order to steward and become um, liable for someone breaks their leg on it or something like that. And that's why the city has very specific guidelines about how to get access to city owned vacant lots in order to do landscaping work or stabilization work, as well as 
why it is very difficult for the city to recycle those vacant lots. And what is the Pittsburgh Land Bank? <laughs> um, the Pittsburgh Land Bank is another one of those authorities that because of uh, legislation in Pennsylvania has power to sell property on the behalf of the city, but not necessarily to the highest bidder. So what that allows is for the, the land bank to make decisions about what happens to vacant land based on what's best for the community. And so is that the way that people would buy abandoned properties once the city or the Urban Redevelopment Authority kind of takes ownership of that land? Correct. And, and so the process by which that would happen is not clear. Um, and that is the problem. The, the land bank's been in existence it's closing in on a decade now, unfortunately, um, and really it hasn't transacted any land. It hasn't had staff for the majority of the time that it's been in existence. Mm-hmm. And so without staff, you can't create those systems to dispose and recycle the land in the way that you want to. So those systems have yet to be created, to be instituted. The land bank did hire someone to run it, and that was Greg Miller. Correct. Are they still in charge of the land bank? Unfortunately, no. Greg left the land bank. And so um, Greg was an awesome guy, a planner from New York City. And we have worked very closely with him over the last couple of quarters, producing our ideas and our ideas for best practices. And so it was really actually disappointing to know that he wasn't going to be there anymore because he was a champion of trying new things, of trying to get things pushed forward. My sense is that the bureaucracy of it all beat him down as to be expected. And uh, again, really unfortunate because we think it's, we call this an environmental emergency. Like there's people literally bidding on entire neighborhoods, just parcel by parcel, parcel by parcel. It's an inaccessible process. There's not any um, transparency. The list of properties to be sold only exists as a static PDF in two places, the Sheriff's Department website and the Post-Gazette website. Okay, so that's a mess. (laughs) So the land bank doesn't have any actual employees. Who is overseeing it? Is there a council person? Council person Ricky Burgess, I believe, is the chairperson of the board. Would you say that the land bank works at all? As of now, no, it does not. It is essentially just kind of frozen by lack of capacity and staffing and kind of that manpower to drive these processes forward to make those connections. It takes a lot of time. This is a problem that we got into over decades, and it's going to take a lot of thoughtfulness and a lot of leadership from um, that entity to make this happen. And like so many other government entities finding that funding and and overcoming uh, shortages and that type of support, funding support for that type of capacity, it can be really difficult. And we're trying to understand the outlook on that. Yeah. What do you what changes do you think need to happen to make the land bank actually functional? Honestly, they just need to hire people. If, if there's a budget shortfall or if that's a problem, how can we overcome that? Well, hiring people sounds relatively easy and easier said than done. The land bank's been here for 10 years, but why isn't the URA doing more to fill roles there? The land bank was just brought under 
the umbrella of the URA recently. Mm -hmm. And so I will give them that, like that is, Greg Miller was the first land bank manager hired under the URA. And so maybe we don't have enough data points on that end. Well, so you're in year two of your 10 year plan. Yeah. What are you hoping to accomplish in the next little bit? Like what does success look like? Mm, 10 years to maximum ownership. So in Pittsburgh, we want to see the maximum a number of vacant lots that we have right now, as many as possible to get into the hands of local residents who've been living with these conditions for decades. We want to see that happen at low to no cost, ideally. Mm-hmm. And um, we want to see names on deeds. Do you think that's doable? And is there anything people can do to help you get there? People are always surprised when they find out the extent of the problem. And they always want to know like what they can do, what can be done. One, call your council person and tell them, get the land bank rolling. That's something all of us can do in Pittsburgh, no matter whether you live in a neighborhood with hyper vacancy or not. Yeah. Two, you can hopefully take a look around your community when you walk outside and, you know, be happy with that and like feel at peace with like what you see. And I and I challenge everyone to really sit with that emotion and understand that like that's not the case for a lot of people in the city. And that's not their fault. No. <laughs> um, something is and isn't being done in your name as a resident of c- citizen and taxpayer of the city of Pittsburgh that is causing someone else to live an extremely different quality of life than you if you know you are happy with what happens outside your door. It's proven that living near hyper vacancy affects your mental health negatively, higher rates of depression, physical health, higher rates of blood, high blood pressure and heart disease. Not surprising that most of those are within black neighborhoods. Absolutely. Social health, a study out of Philly said that um, drastic reduction in gun violence and gun deaths just from mowing the grass of, of like vacant lots in a community. And I don't want to misquote, but I want to say it was over 80% reduction in this study period. And so wow, it's literally a matter of life and death for a lot of folks. And um, if that's not the case for you, I think that you need to find a way to find the people and talk to people who whose reality that is and build bridges and understand and ask them what you can do. Like, don't ask me, ask them. They're out there. They're your neighbors. They're your coworkers. They're your, your teachers, your your kids' teachers and baby babysitters. Like they have dreams about what land looks like for their family, and a lot of them, um, a lot of the system is working against them, and for no fault of their own. And and you have the power to change it if you pay taxes in the city. Ariam, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for asking me to be here, and I am honored by uh, spending this time with you. By the way, we reached out to both Greg Miller and the representatives of the Urban Redevelopment Authority, and we did not hear back. But we'll update you if we hear more. Here's what else is happening in Pittsburgh today. Students at Swickley Academy walked out of class on Friday to protest shenanigans by the school administrator. That's the best way we can put it. In the last few months, they fired six top administrators and chosen not to renew contracts with two teachers that students felt were their allies. 
The protest happened the day after students and parents tried to deliver a petition. Administrators called the police on their own students, saying that they were being inappropriate and aggressive. Parents and students that were there that day say that isn't true. And there's a new art show to check out downtown. Simply Divine, a retrospective of Danny Divine, is fresh to 820 Gallery on Liberty Avenue. It honors the late Pittsburgh street artist who died unexpectedly last June. It recreates Danny's workspace and features a bunch of his work, plus tribute pieces by 35 artists who admired him. The show itself is free, but anything sold will be donated to the Danny Divine Foundation. You can check that out through June 13th. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. Boom. Okay.